everyone, you're listening to the Artist Chronicles podcast from the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM, and this is Episode 7. Each week, we will highlight an artist. It could be a visual artist, a dancer, an actor or an actress, or a singer, but we aren't going to tell you their name. Throughout the podcast, it's your job to listen and to try to figure out who we're talking about. I'm your host, Michelle, and I'm excited to be with you today. Are you ready? Let's go! Our story begins on June 10th, 1893 in Wichita, Kansas. A baby girl, the 13th of 13 children, was born to two formerly enslaved people. Her mother's name was Susan, and her father, Henry, had served in the Civil War. Although her family was very poor, they were also very tight-knit. In 1901, the little girl and her family moved from Wichita to Denver, Colorado. She attended elementary school where she was one of only two black students in her class. This little girl loved to sing. Sometimes she would sing so much her mother would give her a nickel to be quiet. But it was this talent that gained her popularity amongst her classmates. She began to attend Denver East High School, but studies weren't enough to make her happy. So this talented young woman began to sing, dance, and perform skits professionally in shows as part of a group called the Mighty Minstrels. She and her siblings were groundbreaking entertainers in the Denver area, performing plays and vaudeville reviews for the black community there. Eventually, this young talent decided to create an all-female minstrel show with her sister, Etta. Black audiences found their performances to be fantastic spoofs of ridiculous stereotypes. 1920s saw this young woman travel around taking whatever jobs would help her make ends meet. Blues singer, domestic worker, or cook, just to name a few. But she never let her circumstances get her down. Eventually, she joined the chorus in the Ziegfeld Touring Company of Showboat. But when the stock market crashed in 1929, Ziegfeld was forced to let many of his staff go on the spot, including this dynamic performer. She was left stranded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, not knowing a soul, but took a job as a restroom attendant at a local nightclub. When all their performers left before closing one night, the young woman volunteered to step in and sing St. Louis Blues and brought down the house. Even though the club had a rule where they only hired white performers, they hired her that very same night. She was their star entertainer for almost two years before the club closed during the Depression. Finding herself suddenly out of work again, This time, she decided to head west and join her brother Sam and her sister Etta in California and pursue her Hollywood dream. Her brother Sam was able to give his younger sister the chance to appear on his radio show. Listeners fell in love with her from the start. Even though her role was originally a small one, she was featured before long. Unfortunately, things went slower for her in the world of films because roles for black actors were so much more sparse. 
To make ends meet, she continued to have to supplement her income with domestic and attendant jobs. Her stardom continued to rise, and by 1937, she was considered the main actress to cast as sassy maids. Some black organizations found her roles to be demeaning and stereotypical and wanted her to stop playing the clown in front of camera. But the actress merely shrugged off their protests, saying, I'd rather play a maid than be one. Over the course of her career, she played a domestic role such as a maid or cook in nearly 40 movies. In 1939, she landed a role in a major motion picture that would be the highlight of her career in entertainment. The movie was critically acclaimed, but even though half the cast was comprised of black actors playing enslaved characters, they were not allowed to attend the movie premiere in Georgia. On the night of February 29, 1940, the 12th Academy Awards took place in the banquet room of the Coconut Grove Restaurant of the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. When this actress arrived, she and her escort were ushered to the side of the room at a segregated table because the hotel had a strict policy in which no African Americans were allowed. They only allowed this woman in as a favor to her movie producer. That night, the movie she had starred in won eight Academy Awards. Included in that was a Best Supporting Actress Award for this groundbreaking African-American actress. During her acceptance speech, she said, This is one of the happiest moments of my life, and I want to thank each one of you who had a part in selecting me for one of their awards, for your kindness. It has made me feel very, very humble, and I shall always hold it as a beacon for anything that I may be able to do in the future. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry. An Oscar was not awarded to another African-American woman for 50 more years. Not long after her big night at the Academy Awards, America joined World War II, and she joined in helping to entertain the troops by appearing at military hospitals, throwing parties, and performing at USO shows. She also helped to raise funds for Red Cross relief programs, subsequently gaining a reputation for generosity and kindness. During this same period, though, many groups were lobbying Hollywood to end the stereotypical roles in which so many black actors and actresses have become typecast. Because of these lobbies, and despite the fact that she had won an Oscar not long before, the actress saw a massive decline in movie opportunities. Only appearing in two movies and one television show during the final years of her life. Fortunately, she was able to find work as a maid on the radio show entitled The Beulah Show, taking over for another actress who had expressed concern over typecasting. The show was a hit, but controversial. In 1951, the U.S. Army stopped broadcasting it in Asia because troops were complaining that it continued the idea that black men were lazy. In the spring of 1952, 
After recording only a few episodes, the actress discovered that she had breast cancer. Her condition worsened so quickly that she was unable to go back to the radio show, and she passed away on October 26, 1952, at only 59 years old. Her final wish was to be buried in Hollywood Cemetery, but its owner would not allow black people to be interred, so she was buried at the Rosedale Cemetery instead, where she remains today. Have you figured out who this groundbreaking actress was? Her name was Hattie McDaniel. Though she had many hills to climb during her life, she was honored with multiple awards and achievements after her death. She has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for contributions to radio and one for motion pictures. She was inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame in 1975, and she's even graced United States Postal Service stamps. The important thing is that even though Hattie's life was anything but easy, she never gave up and blazed a trail for many Black entertainers after her. This has been a production by the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. Teachers, for additional lessons and downloads that correspond to this lesson, please check out more information at artsintegration.com forward slash accelerator.